you know, you have to be able to anticipate the economic trends and understand how that's going to impact your business in all facets. Hey there, and welcome to Headway, a podcast by Catapult Lakeland, where entrepreneurs share practical tools and insights so that you can continue to generate ideas and innovate as you move your startup forward. My name is Kristen Strabridge, and I get to work at Catapult, an entrepreneur center in Lakeland, Florida, that exists to foster the growth of startups by providing education, resources, and space. Today, we get to hear from Jillian Smith from Carambola Consulting. Though she recently started her own company, Jillian never saw herself becoming an entrepreneur. Right out of college, she took a marketing role at Coca-Cola, and from there, she was off to the races. She's worked in executive-level positions for companies like Burger King, Teach for America, and Legoland, but has now decided to take what she has learned throughout her career and start her own company, where she aims to help for-profit and non-profit businesses improve their marketing and communication strategies. Jillian has been able to better react to today's changing economic landscape because of what she learned through leading teams through past crises. Though we have never faced a worldwide pandemic and shutdown quite like this one, there are still lessons from the past that can help us better forecast and plan for the future. So, let's go ahead and dive into the conversation with Jillian Smith. Today we are here with Jillian Smith. So just to get started, could you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure. Yeah. So it's interesting because I've never viewed myself as an entrepreneur. I'm really, I'm a marketing and communications executive. That's what I've done my entire career. And I actually started my career overseas in Germany. I had a Fulbright scholarship after college, and then I ended up in marketing in Coca-Cola. So right away, I was working for a big international company in marketing and got some great experience, moved back to the U.S., had some great roles at Burger King. And then ended up getting recruited into the nonprofit space. So I was the first chief marketing officer at an organization called Teach for America, went to a similar organization um, called City Year, and then wanted to go back into for-profit. So I actually moved up to Central Florida when I had an opportunity to lead the marketing and sales and PR teams at Legoland. So I was at Legoland for the past couple of years. And then they had some structural changes. They had new ownership in the fall. And I had had a friend who had been telling me for a long time and saying, Jillian, you should be consulting. You have so much knowledge to share and with your for-profit and non-profit background. And I thought, you know what, this is the time. And I knew of Catapult and my husband and I had been talking about it and this entrepreneurship culture that Lakeland has really built. And so I think you remember when, you know, I was first even sort of thinking about going out on my own and I don't even think I had officially filed to become um, a company at that point. But well, let's go on a tour. Let's go check it out. And that was the first time that I met you. And then I was talking to someone who actually used to work for me, who now runs a nonprofit himself. And he said, well, are you serious about going out on your own and consulting? And I said, you know, I I think I am. And he said, well, we could use you. Right away, I had my first client, which was great. Catapult's been amazing. One of the things I've realized right away is it's just me. I am a marketing and communications consultant, yet I know that I need to build a wheelhouse of folks that I can call on, whether it's graphic design, videography, copywriting, digital advertising, et cetera. And so just being able to meet other people who I know as my business grows, I can also call on for those different opportunities because I know where my experience starts and I also really know where it ends. And I know when I need to be able to bring in additional assistance. And it's been great to be able to meet people 
That's really cool. I love that spirit of collaboration and all the knowledge that you bring to the table. So it's really cool that you're wanting to supplement that by utilizing other people that are in the community. So yeah, thanks for that. That's really cool. Yeah. As you mentioned, you are a marketing executive. You've been in a lot of different roles over your career, which means that you have had to lead teams during other nationwide crises, including 9-11, the Great Recession. Yes. Can you kind of share some insights with us about what you learned with those times that are helping you better react today? Sure. So I'll start with September 11th. So I, at the time, was the advertising manager for Burger King, and we were at all of the advertising for all of Burger King. So it was any national TV advertising, radio, print, literally producing hundreds and hundreds of television commercials and radio ads and everything any given year. And that morning, I was supposed to fly from Miami to Los Angeles because we were filming another ad out in LA. And I worked with about a dozen different ad agencies and McCann Erickson, who we were working with, had already flown out from New York literally the day before. So they were already out in LA. And my husband called me after the first tower was hit and he said, I don't think you're going anywhere. They just had a plane fly into the World Trade Center. People are saying it might be something bigger. And then when the second tower was hit, we realized it was a terrorist attack. And then we had the TVs on in, the, in a lot of the conference rooms. And then our chief marketing officer came around and he said to me, we all need to go home. And we realized that American companies could have been a big target. And a big brand like Burger King is very much viewed as an American brand. That symbol of our Americanness was never anything that we had really leaned into. And then what also happened was that there was a Burger King restaurant that became the NYPD headquarters for all of the recovery efforts. And it was an image that literally made itself around the globe. Everybody was seeing this sort of dirty Burger King logo um, with the spray painted NYPD Um, right underneath it. It was one of those where we suddenly just realized right away we needed to change our strategy. We had to react. So there were several things that we decided to do. Naturally, the company and the franchisees came together. There were donations made to the Red Cross and also to a scholarship fund um, for children of the victims. And then from an advertising standpoint, we paused a lot of the advertising that we had, realizing that the irreverent and fun and approach that we often took with the brand did not apply in that moment. That was not the consumer sentiment. And we would have really appeared tone deaf at the time had we chosen to go on and advertise in the way that we normally were. One of the things that we did was we wanted to celebrate the heroes. So we highlighted survivors and we highlighted the men and women who were the first responders. And we hired a renowned portrait photographer named Richard Avedon. He did 20 portraits, which you can even see a couple of them online. It's just images of September 11th. We ran these images on on digital media, which at the time was not much. It was AOL. Um, (laughs) And um, in USA Today, we had full page ads and used those as a reminder, encouraging Americans to continue to contribute to the Red Cross, to support first responders. The insight there is that consumers' mindsets can change so quickly as they have right now in many ways. And we knew what our brand positioning was. We also knew that we had certain brand attributes and what consumers believed about us. So we could then choose to lean into different attributes. 
and knowing that we had already established that trust with our consumers and being able to really lean into some of the things that we were seeing in particular with first responders and lean into that Americanness and that patriotism with pride in a way that really we hadn't done before. I think that was something that, again, just coming back to knowing who you are and what are those attributes that you can lean into, but really recognizing what that consumer sentiment is and being able to pivot right away. And then I ended up um, getting recruited to be the first chief marketing officer over at Teach for America, which is one of the country's leading education nonprofits. They recruit young people across the country to teach in low-income areas. And then following a commitment for two years, they go on to change our country's policies and practices. So very different role. And I was there in 2007, and that was really the start of the of the Great Recession. And it was so interesting because being this very high profile, incredible nonprofit, we had some amazing board members, including Walter Isaacson at the time, I believe was chair of the board, Laureen Powell Jobs, Steve Jobs' wife was on the board, and Larry Summers was one of our board members. He's the former president of Harvard. He is, was also secretary of the treasury under Clinton for a few years. He was an economic advisor to Obama, you know, and a brilliant, brilliant man. So it was literally like, Wall Street was just having these rumblings. I don't even think it, this was, you know, two to three days into what was looking like it could be a crisis. And we didn't really know what was happening, but we called an emergency board meeting and Larry Summers led the entire call. Really smart people have the ability to make the complex simple. And that's what he did. So he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Number one, unemployment is going to rise. And so he said, with unemployment rising, your recruitment of college students is going to get easier so you can lessen up your recruitment efforts. The second thing that's going to happen is that it's going to get more difficult as an organization for you to place teachers. So he said, start securing your teacher and district contracts right now because what's going to happen is fewer teachers are going to retire because their 401ks and their pensions are not going to look the same several months from now. The third thing was, you know, a more obvious one, but he said fundraising is about to become more challenging for you. So you need to focus on that. And if you can move resources from recruitment instead into fundraising and use the demand of increased applications that you are likely going to see into a way that you can sell the message of why there's, you know, so much demand of young people wanting to go teach in low-income communities. Amazing insights that allowed us to pivot and actually be able to grow as a nonprofit pretty substantially during a time when several nonprofits just and many businesses we knew were not going to be able to make it because of the challenges mm -hmm. in the recession. So there were several lessons from that that I think are also really applicable now. So, you know, you have to be able to anticipate the economic trends and understand how that's going to impact your business in all facets. So right now, I think you're seeing a lot of businesses that are very focused on COVID, all the immediate implications with that and what that means. But we should also be looking ahead because we're about to see a different economy. We're probably already in a recession, you know, just given what we're seeing in the unemployment numbers. And, you know, I've heard people talk about going back to normal, but we need to recognize normal is not going to look like what it was before, even after the self-quarantine is lifted. So this is a really seminal moment in our country's history, I think, in the world. And a lot of things are going to change as a result, including how people work, how people travel, how our country thinks about education, how our country thinks about public health. This is a few examples. So 
there are a lot of trends that are happening right now, many of which are also likely to continue. And we need to recognize that those consumer mindsets are shifting. You're seeing that businesses are shifting immediately to be able to meet the needs of the people and the virus right now. So whether it's alcohol brands making hand sanitizers now, and so brands are responding to help meet these critical needs right now in society. And companies can do this too, regardless of their size, like try to find ways to meet some of the immediate demands. But then also like the mindset is that people are looking for comforts, like what can they do themselves? So some people are doing, you know, the DIY, they're making masks and, you know, and sewing and learning how to sew and then they're, you know, sending them off. But the DIY aspect is another like just big consumer trend right now because people are having to solve for things themselves. So is there something that your company does or provides that can help comfort people in some way? Or is there a new need that has emerged that your company can help solve? And then on the flip side, I think once the self-quarantine is lifted, people are going to be really anxious to go back out again, right? So think about and anticipate if let's say you have a food business, people are probably going to be really anxious to be able to go back and sit in a restaurant again. If you've got a brick and mortar, people may want to shop again, but it's not necessarily going to look like the way it did before, but you're probably going to have an initial surge once people can come back. So be prepared for that and be ready for that. But if you're selling, you know, a high-end product that's a novelty, it's going to get more challenging to sell that in the time of a recession that is, is going to probably sustain for a while. And then I think, you know, one of the other trends that we're seeing thing is that people who otherwise didn't engage as much with digital are now having to engage. So like all the Zoom calls, you know, with, with grandparents, I mean, my own parents and my kids, you know, we're having now weekly Zoom calls with all of us. So thinking about if you always sold your product online, you may now actually be able to reach different consumers than maybe you could before. There's a lot of trends. And I think, again, recognizing from Teach for America, all of those lessons of like what it meant for the economy and what are the trends and the consumer mindsets and how can you really capitalize on that? Yeah, that's so good. There was a live stream the other day that Salesforce did with Mark Cuban, the yes. Shark Tank mm-hmm. guy and all. He, you know, he invests in like literally everything in all of America. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Yes. And one thing he was talking about, which really, it really helped me to like lift my gaze a little bit is he was just like, yeah, there's some restaurants I invest in and we're even looking at, okay, when people are coming back to restaurants, like it's going to happen eventually. We don't know when, when mm-hmm. they are, they're like completely redesigning the restaurants because he's like, maybe somebody sneezes and now everybody yeah. is super aware of all germs and that restaurant will clear out if those people are too yep. close. Yep. So I mean, it just made me think like, okay, how is the world going to change and yep. how do you project to meet the consumer that is different? And so Absolutely. I love that you are touching on that. It's so interesting. And it's yeah. hard now to see because you're so mm-hmm. in the daily yes. everything, but yeah. taking some time to really refocus and look forward is really important. Yeah. And understand, I mean, it really depends on what your business is, what your product is, you know, what you're doing, right? Because Mm -hmm. I keep hearing this phrase, we're all in this together. It's impacting everyone, but we're actually not all experiencing it the same way. And I think that's a really important insight. And I was thinking it's almost like an analogy of a Snapchat filter. If you take a selfie that could exaggerate certain features where others might shrink, right? Where you'd give yourself like some gigantic mouth and then like, you know, very tiny forehead and eyes. And, and that's what's happening. You're seeing some industries just shrink 
tremendously. I mean, the hospitality industry, which I came from, is experiencing so many challenges. And yet you're looking at grocery stores and online delivery and Zoom and others can't keep up with the demand. So again, it's this very warped sense. And some of those trends will go back somewhat, but some of them may also continue. So being able to anticipate what all of them are. And so with all of that, there's also for you know entrepreneurs and people that are thinking outside the box, there's a lot of opportunity for innovation here as well. I know somebody who was saying, okay, I'm starting an organization because we realize we're going to have a lot of college students now home. And we've got other kids on the other hand who are home who might need some additional tutoring when it comes to certain subjects. So let's pair them up. I mean, just different Fun. opportunities like that, that are, that are arising where people are thinking about it and saying now is actually a good time to start something because I know that there's a need. Absolutely. No, for sure. You've probably seen the thing going around on social media. It's like a list of all the companies that were born out of the great recession time. Right. It's like Uber and yeah. I don't remember any of the other things on the list. There was a <laughs> lot of really things that we use all the time now. So yeah. But even things like that, you know, everybody knows now that now everybody's sort of questioning is this really that like Airbnb is really suffering right now, right? So even some of these brands that everybody thought in this new age were going to be the norm and now everybody's sort of questioning, wait a minute, like there's just things that are going to happen and I don't think we can even fully understand what that's going to be yet. Totally agreed. So one thing that is fun about our friendship is that in the old catapult before we moved, our desks were super close to each other. (laughs) So that was really fun. (laughs) And you're on a lot of video calls and I got to hear a lot about what you talk about. And it was really fun for me because you have a ton of knowledge to share. And so one thing I heard you talk a lot about is brand messaging and just like helping to coach companies and how they can best adjust to communicate brand purpose um, and make it clear. So what advice do you have on that for companies now? And just to start with maybe what a definition is. So brand purpose means that you need to know your reason to exist beyond making a profit. What are you doing ideally that is making a difference in society? And that can take many different forms. It could be corporate social responsibility. It could be cause marketing and the like. There was a 2018 study by Edelman that said that 64% of consumers globally said that they made purchases based on what a company stood for. And that was 2018. You can imagine what that is right now. And it's funny that you mentioned Mark Cuban, because I also heard him say very recently that the decisions that you make right now as a company around how you treat people will impact your brand for a very long time to come. And if you treat people well, it's going to pay dividends, which is why he's also choosing to pay his employees during this time. I mean, he can afford to, but also, you know, how you are treating your consumers and your customers. What does that look like? That matters tremendously. So if you take a step back and if you have a chance, you know, to to catch a breath right now, really try to differentiate yourself, provide relevance and meaning to your consumers. And that purpose should guide all of your business decisions. If it's one thing that I would say, if anybody takes anything away from this discussion in this podcast, I am just a firm, firm believer in consumer insight. So know who your consumers are. Do that hard work on the market research and on the insights. Look at any primary data that you have around the demographics of who your consumers are. But it's not just the demographics and how they break down. It's about your values, their mindset their attitudes, 
understand right now how all of that may be shifting. How has their financial situation shifted? And how can you as a company respond to that? Thinking about what's happening in consumer mindsets and those attitudes and beliefs, and then how you as a company can respond to that to be able to, to meet those needs. Purpose is in many ways just about those human connections. So just dig deeper, understand your consumers and what it is that they're thinking and how they're feeling and how you can respond to that. And I think that's, you know, for for-profit companies. I think for nonprofits, there is no shortage right now of being able to tie your mission to what's happening in the world. So you can communicate the relevance of the pandemic, even if you're not working in the public health space. Organizations like Feeding America, increasing their partnerships and all the food donations as a result of all of this. Education organizations and a couple of the ones that I work with as well are highlighting that right now, the inequities that existed before in our school system are now just exacerbated even further. On the flip side, you're seeing some really positive things that seismologists can study different things with the earth because there's less traffic on the road and the earth is shaking less. There are so many different ways to be able to tie your mission to what we're seeing right now in this pandemic because it is in many ways like a magnifying glass on a lot of the issues in our society. Mm -hmm. That's really good. All of that. I was just nodding the whole time like, wow, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So thank you for sharing that kind of along what you're saying is you're reading a lot of stories. There's a lot of news out there, a lot of yeah. noise out there. What are some ways in addition to what you've been talking about that people can kind of differentiate their brand? I think because everyone is having to change. You've really got, number one is I would say, just be really clear in your communication with consumers. It's not just what you're saying and how you're saying it, both of which are important but also where you're saying it. So for example, if you're a restaurant and you've had to close your dining room, but you're still doing takeout and or delivery, put that everywhere you can. Make it really easy and turnkey so that that communication is clear across all channels and people know how to be able to get your product if they want it it's also a good time to go back and learn certain things that are going to be like really relevant for your business. So if you've never done digital advertising, take some time to learn what that would look like. It's not that difficult. There's a lot of tutorials, you know, with, you know, how you might be able to advertise on social. Go back and revisit your brand positioning statement. Create one if you don't have one. It should clearly define who your target audience is, their mindset, their motivations, their barriers, all of those consumer insights that we talked about. And remember that a brand positioning statement is really a destination. It's your North Star. It's what you really hope that consumers will believe about you. And if you do this well, it should really define how you are differentiating yourselves from competitors and then can help you really define who you are and just focus that and connect with consumers on a deeper on a more emotional level and finally think about as we talked about how you can support the recovery and build for that sustainability and equity in whatever this new normal is going to be i i was thinking about the the phases that we're going through right now we're moving from responding to this crisis to trying to relieve some of the pressures of it to then recovering and then to rebuilding so we need to tackle each phase with that level of empathy and leadership for, for true success. Yeah, that's so true. You're 
insights and your experience and all of that. I just really appreciate the way that you are able to break things down and explain it for somebody like me to understand. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm going to be listening back to this and just taking note after note. Um, so, so helpful. And I think this will be great for a lot of entrepreneurs as well, or just give them an opportunity to reposition their brand. So super appreciate you taking the time to do this. No, thank you so much. I'm so happy to talk and to see you since I know I, know. I don't see you now every day. <laughs> thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks it was so great. Yeah. No, thank you. Have a good okay. one. Thanks. You too. See Bye. Another huge shout out to Jillian Smith for joining us today and sharing about what she has learned through dealing with some major crises in our nation's past and getting to be around some pretty extraordinary leaders during those times. I hope that you guys are able to take a step back and reevaluate your brand positioning statement as we are looking to a future that is changing and a consumer that is changing as well. Next week, we will be back again to talk with Candace and Matt Gross from Yellow Whistle about some of the tactics they use in e-commerce advertising. And until then, keep making headway.